Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you here. Today, I just want to start off by saying a massive thank you to everyone who has been so supportive of the book launch this week. Thank you to those who have ordered copies, to those of you who have been so kind on social media, to those of you who have shared it. It truly means a lot, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you in some way. It's it's so simple, but I do um, pray that it helps strengthen or inspire you to a closer walk with Jesus. Today, we were going to talk about doctrine or how to study for doctrine formation. That's what I had mentioned on last week's episode. But yesterday, I just felt so strongly redirected. I worked on the script for a while, and it just was not feeling right. And I have just felt to share a few simple reminders for your walk with God And then a little thought that I wrote earlier this week coming out of Resurrection Sunday. It's been on my heart all week to share it on social media, and I just haven't had time to sit down and fine-tune it and make it the right number of words for an Instagram post. But I just decided to make the unedited version of it a podcast, and I feel that someone may need to hear it. It's called Down But Not Out. And so a few simple reminders today, just four of them that I felt very heavily on my heart yesterday. The enemy is trying to cut us off from our power sources. There's a few power sources in our Christian walk. Number one, the word of God. Number two, prayer. And number three, the church or the body of Christ. And he will do anything in his power to cut us off from the word of God. He will use excuses he'll use busyness he'll tell us we don't understand it thing after thing after thing he'll speak into our lives to keep us from the word of god because that is a source of vital nutrients for our christian walk he'll cut us off from prayer by telling us that we're not doing it right he'll make our schedule so jam cramped he'll crowd our minds with distractions the second we kneel down or sit down to talk to jesus and again try to sever that connection When it comes to church, he tells us things like, you don't fit in, nobody really cares, you don't belong. Why bother? It's not getting you anywhere. Over and over, just all these sorts of different things that would disconnect us from the body of Christ, which again is a massive source of power in our Christian life and part of God's design. And so I just felt that in my spirit to put it out there as a reminder to intentionally stay connected to those power sources, do what is counterintuitive, do what's the opposite of that voice that's lying in your ear, and stay connected. Just remember that an appliance 
cannot do what it was designed to do if the cord is severed. It doesn't matter if that cord is plugged into the wall, if it gets cut in two, a lamp cannot shine. And so it is so important that we maintain our connection. Number two, prayer is the primary way that we unburden our souls. And I would like to add to that journaling is another way of unburdening your soul. Yesterday morning, I had received some sad news and was just dealing with a lot of uh, burdens in my mind. And I had a really good talk with Jesus. And then I just sat down and I made a bullet list of everything that was weighing on my heart. And there were 17 bullets. It was everything from teeny tiny stuff like how in the world do I fit walking in my schedule to much larger, more crushing things. But it really helped me just process sometimes when we're dealing with life circumstances. It all just accumulates and builds up. And it seems like this big overwhelming mountain of impossibility. But when you verbally process and when you process on a piece of paper, it makes everything much more manageable and it takes all the chaos that's going on in your brain and your heart and it gets it out. Things are toxic when they stay trapped inside. And so again, with that, I would refer you back to proof for the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. There is proven Um, statistics that show the power of journaling and just getting your heart on a page. And we certainly know that scripturally God invites us to unburden our souls and to pour out our hearts before him on many occasions. Psalms 55, 22 says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He cares about the grandest and the most minute details of your life. I just ran across the passage this morning. It was so interesting. I had quoted it to Jesus on the way to church that he sees the sparrows that fall. And the very first scripture I opened my mind or opened my Bible to was Matthew 10, 29, where it says, is not a sparrow sold for a farthing. Um, I'm misquoting it. You can look it up. But um, God really does. He sees the sparrows. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the number of hairs on my head. And he invites us to bring every anxiety, every worry, every burden, every fear, every concern, every care to him. What an incredible invitation. And let's take him up on that. Prayer and journaling are how we unburden our souls. Number three, the word of God is the primary way that God speaks to us. And obviously we don't read the Bible simply just to hear from God, but it is a massive way that God speaks to us. I know that he speaks audibly on certain occasions, very, very rarely. He speaks through the preached word. He speaks through impressions. He sometimes speaks to us through others, but his word is the primary way that he speaks to us. And so often we speak to him again in prayer And he speaks back to us through his word. And that's why Bible reading and prayer go hand in hand. And I just felt to put that simple reminder out there that he will answer us back through his word. And the enemy is going to do everything in his power to discount the word of God. But it is still the sword of the spirit. It's still how we cut the enemy's legs out from under him. It's still how we diffuse his arguments. It's still how we counter his lies. It is still what we use to battle. It's still how we eat spiritually and stay strong for this journey. If we are not consuming mass amounts, or at least some, of the Word of God, 
we will grow weak in this journey and we will give up or we will turn around or we'll be so distracted that we cannot make it to the end. And it is still the word of God that heals. I love the scripture that says he sent his word and healed them. And so don't forget the power of the word of God. And going back to that first reminder, the enemy's trying to constantly cut us off from it. Reminder number four, the enemy wants to take our eyes off of eternity and put them on the temporal. When it all boils down at the end of the day, eternity is what matters. The enemy is daily trying to shift our perspective to so many things that are temporal, that are temporary, that are earthly. Yesterday, I read the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that says, for this, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So Paul instructs them to look to eternity, that whatever we're enduring right now is doing something so valuable that's going to be an eternal weight of glory. And we have got to be so intentional to remember that the word promises an end of all things, that it tells us that Jesus is coming back for his bride for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming back for those that have been covered by his blood. And we have to be looking for his return. It says, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. We are called to lay up eternal treasure that can never be lost, that can never decrease in value. And the enemy is constantly trying to allow us to forget that or cause us to forget that and to look only at what we can see, only at the here and now. But let's just keep eternity in mind. Let's keep our souls in mind. And so again, just some very simple reminders, but they were just so heavy on my heart um, yesterday and today. And so I felt to share those. And I'm going to share at this time, again, a little unedited devotional thought. This really is just a quick framework that I jotted down to reconfigure for Instagram, which is sometimes how I do it if I'm going to post a little thought on Instagram Um, just because I'm so much more used to writing with a pen than I am uh, on a phone or on a keyboard. And I just have it on my heart to share it for whoever needs needs it. Life has a way of knocking the wind out of our sails at different points and for so many reasons. It could be loss. It could be, I mean, just a million different things. There's times where the wind gets knocked out of our sails or out of our lungs But that is not the final answer. And the enemy loves to take those moments where we're down and say, oh, look, it's the end of the story. But down moments are not the end of the story. And I don't know if you're down today. Maybe you're in a a good season. But I'm sure there's someone who may listen to this that is feeling knocked down. It's not the end. Be faithful stay committed to Jesus, stay committed to spiritual disciplines, keep looking up, keep looking for his appearing, keep doing what's right, and keep walking with Jesus all the way to heaven. So at this time, I'm going to share an unedited, very unedited devotional thought down, but not out. On Sunday, Resurrection Sunday during worship, I had a little line pop into my head, 
down, but not out. I was just reminded of it as I looked up the meaning of outcasts in Isaiah 56, 8. The Lord God, which gathers the outcasts of Israel. From Brown Driver Briggs lexicon, outcasts means imperfect. Then it says, see below, to be thrust or cast down. The Lord gathers the cast down. I don't want to take that out of context, but it definitely reminded me that you may be down, but you're not out. In the words of the Apostle Paul, cast down, but not destroyed. Cast down means to throw to the ground where the metaphor is taken from an athlete or combatant, and destroyed equals to perish, to be lost, ruined, or destroyed. Getting my shouting shoes on. Paul says, we are down for the count, but we are not dead yet. Maybe you've been there. I've been there, laying in the middle of the boxing ring at different points. The wind completely knocked out of me, the blackness of being cast down slowly giving way to the room swirling and twirling above me. The sound of the ten count growing louder in my ringing ears. The image of my opponent dancing, coming increasingly into focus. I might as well give up, resounding in my ears just as loudly as the enemy's laugh. He's assumed the story was done on a few occasions. But I was down, but not destroyed. At the last second, the grace of God empowered me to crawl to the rope and pull myself up with labored breaths. You might be down, but don't listen to the voice that says you're out. Cast down, struck down, yes, but not destroyed. So many in the cast of biblical characters had struck down, cast down moments. Joseph in a pit or a dungeon was cast down, but he was not destroyed. He was down, but not out. Moses on the backside of the desert, down, but not out. Hezekiah facing the verbal assault of Sennacherib's ambassador and surrounded by Assyrians, he was down, but not out. Daniel in a lion's den, down but not out. Paul and Silas in a prison, whipped and beaten at midnight, down but not out. Esther orphaned in a foreign land, she was down but she was not out. Peter hearing the cock crow after fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that he would deny him three times, down but not out. David in caves running from Saul, down, but not out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. They were down, but not out. Samson with a haircut grinding at the mill. Samson was down, but he was not out. Job facing the devastation of loss and grief. Down, but not out. Jesus on a cross and in a tomb. Down, but not out. You or I, Facing season changes, loss of loved ones, the voices of enemy and flesh saying you might as well give up, wrestling through more questions than answers, processing grief or failure or uncertainty, feeling disconnected, overlooked, abandoned, persecuted, facing diagnosis or chronic illness, trying to walk the road back to God, figuring out what next, 
We are joining that long list of God's people who were down, who were cast down, but not destroyed. We are being added to the record of those gone before us who were down, but not out. Micah said it well, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. I'm down, but I'm not out. I can hear the words echoing from Jesus' tomb, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. I'm down, but I'm not out. And I hear the words from our lives, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. The ceiling might be circling above me. The memory of your boxing gloves is slowly coming into focus, and I hear your maniacal laugh. But I'm just down, not out. I'm about to crawl to the ropes and by the grace of God pull myself up one more time. Struck down, but not destroyed. Gathered by the one who gathers the outcasts of Israel. Down, but not out. So again, just a very simple little mildly redundant thought. But I just felt to share it today. Maybe it's just for one person, but it was on my heart. And so if you're in a season of down and life has been overwhelming or chaotic or blindingly or painfully crippling, just keep doing what seems counterintuitive. Stay connected to your power sources. Stay connected to the word of God. Stay connected to Jesus through prayer. That is how abide in him. Pour your heart out in prayer and in a journal. Read and study the word. Remember that that is how God is going to minister to you most of the time. That's how he's going to speak into your life. That's how he's going to talk back to you. And keep your eyes on eternity. That is what really matters. Those are the things that we have to do in down seasons. And David said this. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If you're down... You are not out as long as you crawl over the rope and get back up. You might be down, but you are not out. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy Saturday.